0: For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11. In the same way, count yourselves. King James says, reckon yourselves. Or you can say, consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. So if we're going to obey verse 12, it is crucial that we understand that Paul mean, what Paul means by the expression, we died to sin. So I'm trying to help us this morning because some of us have been really, really struggling with the fact that I'm saved, but why does sin keep messing with me? And we don't want to say anything to anybody about it. We just don't know that the one sitting right behind us is dealing with the same thing. Don't look behind. Don't see who's behind you. Just keep looking straight. But the one behind you is dealing with the same thing. And we just have to front it off when we come to church like everything's all right. Paul is telling us that our dying to sin is the result of our union with Christ. And because he died, we die. Christ did something so marvelous and so significant. He, he conquered death. He conquered sin. And when we unite with him, we've partaken in what he has already done. Our dying to sin is a fact whether we realize it or not. Whether we realize it or not is a fact. I'm going to just give you this analogy and I'll develop it a little bit later. Um, You know, a couple of hundred years ago, this country had the institution of slavery. And then there was an Emancipation Proclamation that freed the slaves. And whether the slaves realized it or not, whether they had heard the Emancipation Proclamation or anybody told them they were free by the proclamation, whether they heard about it or not, they were free. And they were free at the moment the proclamation was made. Now, here in Texas, we didn't get the message in January. We got it in June, on the 19th of June. They got an extra six months out of us, but we were free and didn't know it. (laughs) And that's the way some of us are. We've been free, but we don't know it. And so he's saying, act like you're free. We've gotten the idea that to have died to sin means that somehow we have been removed from sin's ability to touch us. We've died to sin. We're no longer under the control of sin, so sin can't touch me. No, that's not true. We're told in verse 11 that we are to count ourselves or consider ourselves dead to sin. But considering ourselves dead to sin does not make it true in our experiences. Because as we experience things, our daily experiences regarded to sin is determined not by our consideration but by our will. We can consider it all we want to, but if not by our will, we obey the Lord. We're going to allow sin to reign in our lives. But our will must be influenced by the fact that we are free from sin. Or else we'll think, well, I I can't control this. I can't handle this. I mean, I just have to deal with this. Uh, uh, Flip Wilson, for some of you who've been around a while, used to say, the devil made me do it. And then some people use that as an excuse. And he says the devil used to make you do it when you were living for him. But when you come over and have union with Christ, the devil can't make you do anything anymore. You're doing it because you decided that that's what you wanted to do. So what does Paul mean when he said we died to sin? He means that we died to the domination or the dominion of sin or the reign of sin. Therefore, before we were saved, we were in the kingdom of Satan. We were in the kingdom of darkness. And we followed the ways of the world. And the rulers of the air, Ephesians two two says, the kingdom of the of darkness and the rulers of the principalities of the air. We followed that before we were saved. Remember? Y'all act like y'all don't remember how y'all used to act. Some of you remember real good how you used to act. You're still almost acting like that now. <laughs> you know how before you got saved, you would cuss at the drop of a at the at the drop of a hat. Some of you would fight. Some of you would, would steal. Y'all act like y'all didn't used to do nothing. I'm like, oh Y'all act like y'all didn't used to do nothing. Some of y'all used to do drugs. Should I name some more stuff? I said, don't name nothing else. Some of y'all used to live at the club. In the bill joints. Some of y'all was at some of the old beer joints. You know, it wasn't even uptown. You was over there in the hood at one of them joints. Some of y'all was on some of them low-down places. Couldn't hardly see nothing in there. <laughs> Folks used to get cut and shot and all that stuff. And y'all go over there again next weekend. <laughs> Some of us have been arrested, been in jail, been in prison, been on, uh, uh, been addicted, have abortions, all those kind of things. We were living under that system of dominion of sin. The Bible said we were born in sin. We were shaped in iniquity. We were born into the kingdom of sin. We were born as slaves to sin. We was born on this system of slavery and sin and death. Regardless of how decent we were, regardless of how nice we were, regardless of how moral we were, we lived in the kingdom of sin and we couldn't do anything about it. Through the death of Christ, we have been delivered out of the realm, out of the kingdom of sin. And we've been placed into the kingdom of righteousness. When we got saved, we had an emancipation proclamation that said, you are now free from that kingdom of sin. But if we've been delivered from the kingdom of sin, why do we still sin? Though God has delivered us, our sinful nature still resides on the inside of us. That nature did not give up just because God took over. It reminds me of this war in Iraq. How many can remember when we first invaded Iraq? And we just rolled through that country with our military like a hot knife through butter, didn't we? And we were just rolling and they were showing and they had embedded reporters in there and they was just saying, boy, we just knocked them out. They're coming out with their hands up. We got thousands of the Iraqi soldiers and they're just uh, surrendering and they're coming. And it was just a few days they were snatching that statue of uh, Saddam Hussein down and people were just dancing in the street, weren't they? That's the way it is when we first get saved. God delivers us out of the kingdom. So the U.S. comes with this mighty armed forces and a new power has coming in and taken over. But shortly after that, we saw that the enemy was dethroned, but he wasn't completely defeated. They changed tactics. Instead of fighting out in the open, they now became insurgents. They did hit and run. They plant improvised explosive devices. Those are the devices that uh, when people are unawares, they run over them and they explode on them when they wasn't expecting so that's what the enemy does in our life. He, he, he's not pleased that you went over to the Lord's side. And so when the Lord snatches you out of the clutches of the devil, and he frees you from the devil's power, the devil walks away for a little bit, but he does like Arnold Schwarzenegger. He says, I'll be back. <laughs> and he comes back. So they got insurgents. They've got IEDs or improvised explosive devices and then they got suicide and homicide bombers they just walk right up there and stand next to you and pull the thing off kill you and them that's what they're doing in Iraq so the enemy has all kind of tactics and that's what happens in the lives of the believers so it is Satan has been defeated and his reign of sin has been overthrown but our sinful nature resort to kind of a guerrilla warfare and try to lead us into sin Galatians five seventeen says, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit is what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so you do not do what you want. They're in conflict, so you don't do what you want to do. Anybody ever find yourself doing that? You know, Paul said it this way, kind of. You know, the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I find myself doing, so I do not do what I do that. I used to first read that. I said, he said what? And people used to say, well, I don't think he was saved when he was doing that. That was before he got saved. No, he was saved. Because before you got saved, you don't have that kind of conflict. It's your thing. You do what you want to do. And can't nobody tell you (laughs) who to sock it to. Right? You don't argue about that. You just say, well, you know, it's my thing. You know, you can't tell me how to run my life. This is my life. I live in any kind of way I want to. Isn't that what you say before you got saved? I'm running. This is my life. Well, you just take care of your own life. Sweep around your own. That's what we say to folk when they trying to tell us to live right. Just sweep around your own front door. But when we get saved, then that's where the conflict is. The thing I'm trying to live right, I'm trying to do right. And there's something always. And, and the minute I think I got a good handle on it, it seems like something else kind of comes. I thought I'd overcome this bad temple. But they didn't give me the right change down at H-E-B. I know I gave him a 20. She said I gave her a 5. I know I gave him a 20. And you down there and they got you all on camera, snatching a woman's hair, everything like that. And then when you get home, you find your 20. And you say, oh, Lord, I just thought I was, oh I thought I had been delivered. You know, we do pretty good on the things that doesn't seem to cause us a problem. Let me put it to you this way. How many could I entice you with a nice plate with a wonderfully cooked Brussels sprouts, asparagus, and uh, rutabagas? And say, come on, just eat some of this. And say, no, no, I'm, I'm not that hungry. But <laughs> well, what if I just had some, about an inch thick smothered pork chop <laughs> with some brown gravy? You know that gravy that got the little onions floating on top of them? <laughs> and those thick mashed potatoes, that gravy just sitting down in the valley? <laughs> you know, and some of them good old mustard greens that cook just right? And some of the hot cornbread, you see the steam, steam still coming off of it? And I say, would you like a little bit of this? And then some peach cobbler over there on the side? Somebody said, hurry up, Pastor, get through preaching. I got to go <laughs> How much longer are you going to be? All right. I shouldn't have done that, huh? You see, that's a little bit more enticing, isn't it? This is Jerry G. Martin, and thank you once again for joining us as we have brought the word of God to you, and we are hopeful that your life has been enriched and that you have been encouraged. It is such a privilege to come to you no matter where you are. You may be in your home or your automobile or your place of business. If you would like to hear today's message again in its entirety, you can do so by going to our podcast at The Light of the World Daily with Jerry G. Martin. Again, that's The Light of the World Daily with Jerry G. Martin. You can also join us on our website at L O W C F. Dot o-r-g. Again, that's L O W C F dot O R G. And as always, I invite you to be our guest at the Light of the World. We meet each Sunday at 10 a.m. at 16161 Old Humble Road. If you're in Atasca Cedar, Kingwood, Summerwood, Fall Creek, North Houston, Northeast Houston, you're in our neighborhood. Come and be. Our guest. I want to remind you that the Beacon Christian Bookstore is located right here on our campus. Almost every Christian bookstore in our city has closed, but we have an inventory of Bibles, communion supplies, Sunday school books, offering envelopes, study materials, or whatever you might need. Call the Beacon at 281 441 2885. Again, that's 281 441 2885.